You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of the Locked On Indians podcast. This is your host, Jeff Ellis of 24-7 Sports. I swear, I will have something up. Um, 24-7 is, uh, I'm, I'm working on my, on a draft piece for draft piece, a draft piece, um, my top 11 prospects. It's been slow going, but it will get up soon within the next week, um, likely middle of next week if I'm being realistic. But yes, I'm still over at 24-7, at least for now. Um, that is all I can say. I'm uh, Nothing is really set in place or determined uh, what's going to happen. I, I've, I've posted about this online on um Twitter, but uh, yeah, I'm uh, currently looking for work as um, 24-7 Scout really gave me a fantastic opportunity. The unfortunate truth is that uh, 24-7 is a college sports-centered site, and when Scout went under and was bought by CBS, it was really under um, the guise of 24-7 to run things because they had been doing a lot of what Scout had been doing, but frankly, more successfully. And that's just not their thing, and I can't hold that against them. So, yeah, I don't know. Let's just say that uh, it's been a few bites, but I I don't know what I'm going to do at this point. Um, There's always the chance I might even stick around because I do enough college stuff that um, that there there is some value in my college baseball writing to them. Nothing's set in stone, but... uh, if you have an in at this point, I'm certainly listening. Let's put it that way. Um, it just It's hard to go from being an independent person to working on a team uh, or the other side of things. It's hard to go from being like at a point in time where I was one of five national people doing this thing and now there's many of them and it's hard to find a landing space. Maybe I'll go independent. Maybe I'll set up a, a Patreon and... Uh, do memberships and kind of go back to the old school when I used to work for Tony over at IBI, just kind of doing his thing. Um, it would be really ugly, though. I'll give you that fair warning. It would probably be through a WordPress with uh, with donation uh, stuff put in. But I'll have more information on that as it goes and as that starts. So we do have some news today. Even involves a former Indian. So let's just lead off with that. Kevin Plowecki went to the Boston Red Sox today for $900,000. Now, this stands out for a few reasons. First, uh, the reason the Indians cut him is they went out and traded for Sandy Leone. Then they gave Sandy Leone $2 million, I believe, instead of the $3 million he was expected to get. Uh, which it, this is still what just boggles my mind and drives me a little bit nuts about this whole situation. This is a team that's cutting dollars at every turn. And you can't tell me that Kevin Plowecki versus... Sandy Leone was worth $1.1 million for a team that's, you know, playing everything so close to the vest. I, I just don't necessarily see the value in that. Um, I get that he probably would have gotten $1.3 uh, if he had stayed in Cleveland. So you pretty much have to, like, release him and then try to sign him for more or, you know, it, which I mean they could have conceivably done. Or if Boston cuts Sandy Leone, how much of a market is there going to be? Um, in some respects, I think... Cleveland uh, over uh, had a little more faith in the catching market than it is. Um, at the time, I mean, catching was teams were throwing money around. It was, uh, you know, catchers were going fast. and But now we've really slowed down to the point where it's like, I mean, Robinson Chirinos is one of the top 
five free agents left and uh, who knows what's going to happen and he's a remarkably consistent catcher yes he is older and that's what's hurting his his market I'm sure but again he has been consistent both offensively and defensively for multiple years in a row and is one of the top 10 catchers in baseball and he's still out there Jason Castro had some pretty good peripherals and has always been a good performer and he's still out there it's also in the catching market uh, not quite as uh, decimated as it was looking but because of the addition of Kevin Plawecki, the Red Sox also had to make a 40-man move. Um, and that was to let Sam Travis go. Now, when I went to look up Sam Travis's numbers, I hopped over to Baseball Cube. And uh, thank goodness I wasn't on the podcast then because I sometimes you know pull these things up as I'm meaning to talk about them right in the show. And um, I would have had some swearing as they've really changed things. Now, I love Baseball Cube for a couple of reasons. Um, the biggest one, first and foremost, uh, that is the college numbers. The ability to go back and look at college production, kind of look at what guys have done. Um, I like that it sums up all the minor league numbers into to one area, along with having all the individual places. Now, um, they don't sponsor me. I don't think the guy really knows I exist. I have uh, sponsored... Uh, I sponsored Casey Mize's page for a year because there was some talk that Baseball Cube might go away, and I felt very sad about that. But uh, I love Baseball Cube. It is one of my go-tos. The other thing is, I mean, for me, I love the fact that there's on their just basic line of information, there's bat pip, there's walk percentage, there's strikeout percentage. They give me a lot of the data I want, uh, secondary average, ISO, uh, you know, isolated power, things like that. Those all stand out to me. And... I, I love that that is there. I love that that is a part of it. And I'm saying all of this because with their new layout, they've made it so you can go premium. And I did give them money today to go premium. It's 19 bucks to get it, uh, their site ad-free and some extra tools. So if you are like me and uh, you like your baseball stats, uh, I'm just going to throw it out there. Uh, baseball Cube, is I find it very handy. It is one of my most heavily trafficked sites, especially during the college baseball and draft season. I I think it's very much worth the 19 bucks a year just to make sure that it's staying profitable and that the guy who's running it uh, sticks around. Uh, just speaking of statistical stuff, I, I can't give credit because I can't remember the guy's name. There's an interesting little piece right now, and it goes a little more in depth. Um, it's called like the Spark Man, Spark Man, and it's in honor of Glenn Sparkman. And um, I kind of perused it just quickly because it's kind of it's very honestly it's looking at a lot of things I talk about on this podcast and in my writing and it, it just looking through it it's um, it's data driven and you know this is stuff that also Chris Mitchell like Cato uh, used a lot of this back in the day and, and um, the gentleman who did this which I'll apologize to him at a later point in time uh, you know he references that in there and it's a fun little look up um, I'm gonna save it kind of put a pin in it um if we have some time we'll talk about the the indians guys who who got named in the piece uh but it's uh it's kind of fun to see things i've been talking about for five years and i'm not accusing this person at all i mean they're they're taking things that many of us have talked about and he's expanding on it um so just something i I also want to direct you uh fans to 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 look up you know the spark man for pitching i think it's uh it's using what I think are some of the most useful statistics in terms of um, who's going to perform well. And instead of just being like, oh, they throw hard. It's kind of like um, back in the day, I used to make the comparison that pitching and quarterbacking is very similar. And 
in both cases, there's this like myth that you need someone who's like six foot five and just big and burly who can who can throw the ball, you know, a million miles an hour. And that's not really what you want in either. You need touch. You need feel. You need accuracy. You need um, the ability to uh, command. Uh, it's sometimes more important if you know if, if someone's undersized, but they can make all the throws or command all their pitches. Uh, that can be more important than anything else. And knowing what's going to translate and what isn't, uh, you know, that's why like Josh Stalmont is a guy I was never high on, or Sean Newcomb. Um, because they're the big guys who throw hard, but I just had, I'm like, can they do anything other than throw the Hail Mary? And uh, Newcomb found some success this year. Stalmont is still trying to do that same thing, but uh, it's, it's just something when I talk about pitching and prospects, it's kind of fun to see someone looking at some of those other stats that I find important. All of this was a big digression to look at Sam Travis. Sam Travis was a high, high school, was a college teammate of Kyle Schwarber. He ended up being a second-round pick. He was a third baseman in college, but has been pretty much first base or left field only as a pro. Travis turned into kind of a hot name as a prospect, and I always kind of wondered if that was due to being a Red Sox prospect. Now, this isn't to say he didn't perform um, fairly well in the minors, but when you get right down to it, this is someone who throughout his entire minor league career uh, has he hit, uh, he never had one double-digit season out of home runs while playing first base. Um, his his big calling kind of calling card essentially was his on-base skills. You know, he walked um, after the 2015 season a second in the minors, which is probably where he peaked in terms of um, uh prospect rank i'm looking sometimes uh, baseball cube has like um previous high or you know notable prospect rankings i don't see that in here but i feel like travis was at some point a top 100 prospect but that 2015 season it's like he walked uh 11.7 uh nearly 12 percent of the time next year nearly 10 percent of the time he made to them or i'm sorry 2016 was injury ridden uh to a degree but he still played fairly well. But it gets down to it. He, for his minor league uh, career, you know, it's a walk, nearly 9% walk rate with a strikeout rate around 18. But there was just never any power, um, which makes it hard when you're a first baseman. And it always made it odd when I saw um, some of the rankings for him just because, uh, again, he was a first baseman without power whose on-base skills were his his main skills. And he was often, you know... Uh, one of the top three prospects in the Red Sox system. And again, just because of that, often became a back-end top 100 prospect. I think the thought was at some point power might come, but, uh, you know, he's six feet, 195. He was never a big guy to begin with, and the power in college was never uh, tremendous either. He played uh, 111 games for the Red Sox over the last three years, and they let him go today. I don't really think he's a candidate for the Indians. He is 26. He'll be 27 uh, next summer. But again, uh, you like the that this year in AAA, uh, he walked 11.5% of the time, struck out 23.5% of the time, seven home runs with that juiced baseball as a concern. Uh, there's just not enough to the profile. You know, I thought I'd bring him up because he is kind of a name that at points has come up. Like if the Indians made a trade, it's like, well, Sam Travis with the Red Sox, you know, maybe he's someone who could have rebound potential. Uh, he's, you know, he's kind of the 
the antithesis when we look at the current first baseman and how things are kind of going it's like here he was he went in the second round as a right a six feet tall right-handed first baseman uh, which was frankly back in 2014 kind of amazing especially as a big 10 guy the big 10's not really a great baseball conference uh hit 347 415 576 12 home runs his uh his walk percentage that year dipped to nine percent and his strikeout percentage was also down to nine he had been up around almost 13 the year before he uh but i say this because you know it's like last year we had andrew vaughn who's about the same height who put on an absolute show uh, spencer torkelson's the same height both those guys also being right-handed um first baseman blaze jordan about that height who's probably also going to be another top 10 guy uh in next year's draft so we're seeing a lot more guys at this height end up as first baseman uh it was interesting to see travis go that high i remember i think 2014 might have been my first year at scout to be honest um i loved schwarber but as much as i watched him travis never caught my eye and i knew other people liked him but like i to the point that i was like kind of surprised by that draft pick so I wish him luck. Uh, I want all these guys to prove me wrong. But uh, I, I knew I'd get a few questions. What about Sam Travis? He has, you know, prospect pedigree. Sam Travis isn't a guy for the Cleveland Indians. So let's talk about some of the other news of the day. Um, Louis Robert signed a long-term deal with the White Sox, and I found that personally kind of shocking because there's one guy who could afford to uh, to wait, play his six years, hit free agency, and make a ton of money. It was Louis Robert who got a $26 million bonus when he, when the White Sox signed him out of Cuba. Like, he already had a war chest of money. Uh, so to sign a six-year contract, uh, with which could become an eight-year contract because of two club, club options, minimum he makes is $50 million, So that's, I mean, that's good. But the max value is $88 million. I mean, that's, that's a heck of a team deal. Uh, not quite the Ronald Acuna level. Uh, but you can see why, you know, in some respects, the Indians just got unlucky. Um, Francisco Lindor was incredibly savvy and turned down deals at every corner. And then there's someone like uh, Louis Robert who, I mean, there's no reason for him to sign a deal. Again, he got $26 million when he signed from Cuba. He's He has more money than any other minor league player uh, in terms of, like, guys who are young who could get this type of contract. Um, but they, uh, he, he signed it. So I, I was very questionable about him coming into the air you can read my white Sox top 10 from a year ago uh just because cuban players have by and large disappointed um once they've come over to major league baseball we've had more busts than we've had um stars uh you know it's like i mean puig and cespedes were big names but then after them you had yasmani thomas and rust rustney castillo and uh you know both of those were massive disappointments. I'm trying to think of the pitcher the Philly signed who got hurt and never performed. And there's always the Indian story where they gave um, why am I a big right-handed pitcher whose name I'm blanking on? Who uh, Leandro Lenares? They gave him one million dollars. He was this big righty, had some success in the Cuban League, big fastball, and they gave him again one million dollars back when they didn't sign anybody for seven figures. And then they also signed the other guy in the boat, and they gave him a, a very small amount, and that other guy was Yandy Diaz. So uh, it ended up working out, um, going down and doing that scouting, because they got Diaz uh, on the cheap. But the big name they got there didn't work out, and that's often what we've seen with some of the Cuban talent players. I, I, I kind of did a whole piece, I think, in that piece, 
pointing out like the the really low amount for as many guys who come over and get massive contracts, the low amount of players who have turned into just regulars. But Robert had quite the season a year ago, and uh, I'm sure White Sox and White Sox fans are quite happy with this signing, as they should be. I mean, it's, I mean, with his athletic tools, he's going to be no worse than a platoon guy. And yeah, it's not ideal to pay someone fifty, you know, six, you know, a little more than eight million a year on average uh, to be a platoon bat. But it's also not the worst thing in the world. And there's a chance he's significantly more. And if he's significantly more, um, you're getting him at a absolute steal. Uh, Josh Donaldson news. It's it, it, we'll see. It's a bidding war. I mean, the drop off after Do- after Donaldson, you've got Castellanos, who's pr- pretty much a DH. Uh, and then you got Marcelo Zuna, who's been extremely inconsistent. Donaldson's the last star left, and uh, teams who have some money left are going out there. They're swinging. They know that it's going to take at least four years, twenty five million. And uh, you know, the Twins have money to spend. The Nationals. Uh, have money uh, was it the Dodgers still have an interest the Rangers could still have an interest but the the big talk is that the Twins and the Nationals and the Braves are still uh, there so we'll have to see uh, it, what's going to be interesting is once he goes uh, how the rest of this market shakes out uh, does Chris Bryant get traded Nolan Arenado um, like, again I'll say I think the Rangers have to they want to get a third baseman I, I think Todd Frazier is kind of their guy because they just don't have the pieces for such a deal um, it's also interesting because like if the Twins lose out uh, Will Harris the the really good reliever for Houston last few years is uh, what I saw some talk about him on MLB trade rumors that, that they've been intrigued with him and Lord knows they could use more pitching uh, but it, it could be one of those things where essentially while the Twins are chasing uh, Donaldson, that's all of their money is tied up there, and there's nothing they can do. So they then have to turn around and wait for that to to get figured out. And then if they lose out on Donaldson, they can immediately pivot, pounce on Harris, and go from there. Um, we'll see what they do. Uh, I mean, I'm obviously rooting for Donaldson to not go to the Twins. <laughs> Let's just be honest. Uh, as Indian fans, that's, that's where it goes. But... I mean, MLB Trade Rumors, a site that I always have open as this is occurring because they're great for breaking news. They make it sound like Harris will sign pretty soon, Torinos, uh, Donaldson. That's going to be three of the top five free agents left who all should uh, be signing quickly. We'll see. Again, the Indians are just kind of standing around waiting. Uh, another outfielder whose name came up, but it was in conjunction with the uh, Florida Marlins, was... Oh, gosh, why do I do this to myself? Jai Juan Kim... Uh, an outfielder who is 31 years of age. Supposedly nobody but the Marlins had much interest. And let's let's explain why there was interest and why other teams didn't. Uh, his age 27, 28, and 29 years were utterly fantastic. Now, he didn't actually become a regular starter until his age 27 year, which stinks for him. Uh, for Dusan in the KBO. I mean, they had his rights since he was 19. He, he even appeared in some games then. Then he doesn't appear again until age 22, 23. Doesn't play in the, the KBO at age 24. And part-time in 25 and 26, appearing in about, I mean, on average, fit, f- okay, let's just, why bother with that? 52 and 48 games. And then he finally gets to play full-time, hits 325 with 32 home runs, 340 with 34 home runs, 334 with 36 home runs. And then his age 30 season, uh, only four, 14 home, 15 home runs, 283. It's like the league figured him out. 
Um, really a horrible time for his team to post him. Uh, teams aren't, you know, he does walk at a decent rate too. There's a lot of things like if, if they could have posted him after last season, there would have likely been a bidding war. Uh, posting him now, there's just no interest. Uh, he's best off. Uh, everyone involved is best with him trying to reestablish his value at age 31. But he's he's kind of that dreaded small outfielder with uh, who's already in his 30s. It's it's just not a, a ideal situation in terms of trying to find value uh, for any team. I also wanted to go ahead and talk about, I know I talked about all the pitchers left. I keep leaving off Tejon Walker, um, who is a very interesting reclamation project. 14 innings the last two years combined. Um, Before that, in 2017, at the age of uh, 24, he had 28 starts and was a solid starter. Um, You know, there was definitely some points. He's, He's never been quite the dynamic guy. Many of us thought he'd be but he's been good and I would much rather roll with a walker or with a wood than I would with a Nova or with um Homer Bailey who signed with the twins this week like uh, those are the gambles I'm willing to take uh just because you're going to get a little bit more I think at the end payoff so not much again with the Indians we had the the bit of news with uh former Indian Kevin Plowecki the Indians essentially swapped backup catchers and are paying about 1.1 million more for that right uh, we still don't have anything on Eric Haas at this point. Let me do one last second search at the end of our show to see if anything has been updated about him and his, uh, nope. Everything's from three to four days ago. If so, there's, maybe he gets through, maybe I'm wrong. I did not think he'd clear waivers, but maybe he does, which would then uh, probably say a lot about his, his current value if he gets through waivers. But yeah, it's, um, the Indians are just sitting there. <laughs> kind of want to poke him with the stick and be like you're awake do something but uh we'll have to see it's um it's not ideal well the the rumors don't go away uh briefly we'll address i mean mookie Betts probably makes more sense to the dodgers because he's not going to cost those high-end prospects being a one-year rental um maybe it's more like tony goslin and pieces as opposed to may or lux so yeah i could see that happening i mean i tweeted about that i think in october or november that long term he uh bets made more sense because then the dodgers if they get him now they would get a draft pick for next year which even though it'd be a later pick because of new rules it would still be valuable to them and they could get a guy who could go out and perform and they wouldn't have to pay that high price which is something they don't want to do they do not like to trade away their high-end prospects so that is something else to follow I want to thank everyone for listening, rating, and reviewing. Uh, I saw on Stitcher we've got like four reviews now, so thank you guys and gals. Uh, that's awesome. I no longer have to hurt my heart when I type in uh, Locked On Indians and see a, a very negative review. So thank you to the the three people who went and did that and everyone who keeps rating and reviewing. That's awesome. Our numbers are up for the, the past 30 days. We're getting – I was um, – the numbers were way dwindling for a time, and that was a little uh, depressing to give you a look behind the screen a bit. But uh, we're back up. We're not quite at um, you know peak season. We're actually doing better than parts of the season this year, so that's fantastic, which growth is important. And if we're getting growth in the offseason, um, we've got a chance for some real growth for this podcast in season. Um, and I would hopefully at some point, you know, I'll be more than just me talking into the mic with my opinions and beliefs and such. Uh, I've, I've got some people who are friends 
who I'll have come on and talk at points. I'm hoping to get, you know, I've talked about Andy Clayman. It's just he lives, uh, he used to, uh, used to write at Waiting for Next Year. If you read his stuff there, we actually have known each other since we were children um, discussing the Indians. So it, it would always be fun to try to get him uh, if he didn't live in uh, another across the ocean, which makes it a little more difficult. But things like that, it'll be a little bit more. And uh, yeah. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the rating and reviewing. And as always, go Tribe.